Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Collinson, worldwide leaders in loyalty creating and orchestrating loyalty initiatives and programs for some of the world's biggest brands in travel, retail and financial services. Doing it globally for over 30 years. Want to know more? Go to collinsongroup.com. Hello and welcome to my final interview of 2021 which actually became a bit of a brainstorming session, all about how airline loyalty programs in particular could become even more successful and popular with members. My guest is Steve Huey, CEO of an Australian company called iFlyFlat, which helps people understand, find and book redemption seats as easily as possible. Steve is also known as the Points Whisperer, And as you'll hear, he really believes that redemption flights are one of the biggest ideas available to delight customers. So I know for sure that all of you listening certainly agree with that one. I hope you enjoy my fun session and all the great ideas we shared. So please enjoy my conversation with Steve Huey from iFlyFlat. Steve, I'm so happy to be talking to you today. Uh, Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you very much. I'm very excited. Great, great. Listen, I love uh, lots about what you do. Uh, The company name, I think, is what first caught my attention. So I Fly Flat is something that I think everyone who knows you must be super jealous of. So (laughs) first of all, Uh congratulations. It's a great name. Thank you very much. And it's a name which I think everyone can adopt because everyone can I fly flat themselves. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And even on your LinkedIn, Steve, I know you talk about, you know, working your way towards the pointy end of the plane. So again, for, for everyone listening in the loyalty industry, I think it's just a lovely, simple way. And I know you predominantly talk to consumers. So it's great yes. to have you on the show today to represent uh, particularly Australian consumer interests. So with that said, let's get straight in, Steve. Um, We're releasing the show at the end of December. So Australia has been open just actually quite a short time um, for travel again. But share with us the the statistic about loyalty in Australia um, that you just shared with me. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. So uh, recently, 7 billion Qantas frequent flyer points have been redeemed by Australians traveling domestically and overseas. So that shows how much pent up demand there was for who had points to use them and book a flight. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, Australia is such an extraordinary market, Steve, from a loyalty perspective. And as I said to you, you know, people listening to this show are in all areas of loyalty, not just airlines. They're also global. So they're in the US, they're in the UK. But what I love is that you're really inspiring people to particularly have premium premium experiences when it comes to travel. So ideally, as we talked about, flying flat. Um, But yeah, I think the pent-up demand 
probably hasn't been estimated or um, really just publicized to the same extent. So, so can you maybe give us a sense, 7 billion Qantas points, what would that translate to maybe if we were to say, if I wanted to fly from Sydney to London, let's say in business class, of course, which we all aspire mm-hmm. to do. <laughs> Tell me, first of all, how many Qantas points would it take me to make that return business class trip? It's obviously a long way. Yeah, so uh, 289,200 Qantas points would get you one person business class return. Okay, okay. And I know you've done the maths as well. So how many, uh, that's 7 billion points that Qantas um, shared with us that have been redeemed in their first month being open. So how many people could do a, could have done a trip like that? Just tell us how the maths work out. Yeah, yeah. I think I've worked out just about 24,000 uh, business class flights that works out to be. Okay. And even interesting, I thought, well, how many, like, Qantas planes would that take? Because not the whole plane has only got 42 business class seats. Yeah. So it worked out that it's about 570 uh, planes back and forth, back and forth, <laughs> in order to fill with those people. Oh so that gives you a great visualisation of all yes. the planes you need to fly overhead yeah. to get those 70 points underway. Unbelievable. Well, listen, it's a great way to start the show, Steve. Um, As I said, I just think it's extraordinary how much pent up demand. I mean, the Australian borders were closed for how long? About 18 months, I think, in total, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So in in, in or out, so very limited coming in and no one going out unless you had a travel exemption that you had to apply for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So listen, you have this company we've talked about. Um, you're in the business, I suppose, of first of all, raising awareness of the extraordinary value that a lot of people are missing out on from understanding how easy it is to collect points, um, whether that's obviously with travel, with um, you know, on the ground behavior. So frequent buying, for example, with them, airline partners, um, obviously credit cards. So all of the usual ways. But I think what we've shared, Steve, and what you do so well is to educate people on on how to use those points in a way that's best value for them. And you have a whole team literally providing that service to help them enjoy it. So tell us, why did you start the company? How did you realize this problem? Yes. So my background, I'm an accountant, so I'm in finance. So I've actually still got my CPA. And I think when you have an accounting mindset, you're always looking for where is the value? Like yes. where can you create something out of nothing? Yeah. And the freaking five points was something that I just came across accidentally when I was early in my career and I could start flying business class. Yes. When you did not have to pay money to fly yourself, the your <laughs> company will pay you business yeah. class. Yeah. And I started to enjoy business class, but I started to collect freaking five points along the way. And prior to that, I had no interest because I didn't have any freaking five points. Yeah. But once you start accumulating freaking five points, you're like, what can I do with these points? And very quickly, I worked out that if you could accumulate enough freaking fly points, you could book yourself a business class flight for yourself. Yeah. Which meant that you save thousands of dollars yeah. versus yeah. buying a ticket. Yeah. And, and yeah. that was the big light bulb moment for me that freaking yeah. fly points were really valuable. Yes. I would say worth more than money in some cases. 
for sure. Yes. And the emotional value as well, I guess. So yes, as an accountant, obviously you're tuned into yes. the savings, but you know, you bought into it as well as a, you know, somebody just who loves that experience. So, um, so that won't be news to anybody listening. We all share, I suppose, that, that beautiful understanding. Um, but why did you decide that, that you needed to set up a company to actually make the bookings for, for people? Because what, what I suppose most of us listening would assume is that if people are so engaged and so inspired, surely they know how to go ahead and find the seats and book them and, and get good value. So, so where was the gap that you identified? Yeah, so finding frequent flyer seats is actually the biggest pain point of the entire program yeah. because earning points is quite easy. So some people might earn points by accident. So as you fly, you earn points. Mm. If you've got a credit card that earns points, you earn points, but you might not have got that credit card on purpose. You might have just got the credit card because it's got a nice annual fee or maybe you like the colour of the card. Mm. So you start earning these points by accident. So people don't 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 go trying to discover how to use those points because mainly because those points came for free Yeah. because you got them for free, you accumulate them. Then one day you're like, well, I've got these points. What should I do with them? Mm. And actually the moment for me came was when I, I bumped into a friend and they had just redeemed, I think about 150,000 points mm. for the latest iPad that came out. Wow. And that iPad was only about maybe a thousand dollars retail, which is a lot of money. Yeah. At the time, yeah. Yeah. for the same number of points, you could have got yourself a business class seat that sold for four and a half thousand dollars. Wow! And that's really the time when I thought, well, actually, people knew how to use their points to find trouble. Yeah. Then I would say the four and a half thousand dollar seat financially is much more valuable than getting the iPad. Yeah. But people talk about trouble. And they talk about travel throughout the years. They talk to their kids about it. They talk to their friends about it. Mm. But very rarely was to say people talk to other people about their iPad. Yeah. So in terms of the experience using points to travel and actually mm. using points for something like business cars is yeah. something that most people, they may not pay for. And that's what I found out. Yeah. And that's why I started the business of trying to help people yeah. utilize the points they've got and turn them to some an experience which otherwise they couldn't find themselves mm -hmm. or they didn't want to pay business class themselves, even if they had the money. Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes in principle, the idea of paying whatever it is, I think I usually compare, it's about triple, you know, the price if you're buying cash in terms yeah. of a business class flight. It's quite hard to justify for most of us who've, you know, yes. spent a lot of time earning that income. So yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, easier yeah. to say, maybe I'll just travel economy and just suck it up. But yeah, we all want to be flying flat. So that's amazing. So, um, so it's a brilliant service. Um, I know, obviously, like everyone in the travel business, you must have had a tough time yourselves over the last 18 months. Um, but you did share with me some, you know, I suppose, ideas for loyalty professionals. So bearing in mind, of course, you know, that this show is being listened to, as we've talked about, all over the world by people in lots of industries. But just again, representing consumers' interests, what do you think loyalty professionals could do better to help, I suppose, more, let's say, on the burn side? Because as you said, I think we're all very clear on our partnerships and our, our mm. earning mechanics. But what we talk about, and actually it's come up a lot in the last few shows, is, you know, burn drives earn is actually a phrase that KLM quoted to me. 
and they've done all of the analytics to say it's only after, as loyalty professionals, we have given a reward that we see the earning behavior also then really grow because people trust the whole system. So what do you think we can do as loyalty professionals to help consumers, first of all, understand the value and secondly, then have this beautiful redemption experience? Yeah, I think number one thing is just helping people understand the program and how uh, authentic it is. Yeah. That the fact that there are freaking fly seats out there and mm-hmm. it, it is achievable to get them. Yeah. Because yeah. I guess in this day and age, consumers, they they don't read the terms and conditions, they don't read the, the yeah. owner's, owner's manual because yeah. every single device is just turn it on and start yes. using it. Yeah. So the whole idea about trying to understand something it's very different because at university you, you learn something. Yeah. But once you move into the workforce and you get older, you don't learn anything because so I think what happens with frequent flyer programs and loyalty programs is they're complex and yeah. people don't yeah. want to take the time to understand them. They yeah. just want to use them. Yeah. So taking that idea, the fact that people just want to use them because they just want to turn the Apple device on yeah. and it gets working. Like yeah. In a way, you know, Apple doesn't even give an owner's manual yeah. because they know no one will read it. They just make <laughs> it intuitive. Yeah. So I think in a way, if people, if lots of professionals want their users to be using the points, they have to yeah. make it intuitive yeah. to find these seats, which is yeah. actually what people come to the loyalty program for. Yeah. Sometimes some people might redeem points for a Fitbit or, or some gift voucher, but that's not really why they join the program. In terms of frequent flyer programs, they really join the program in mm. order to fly. Yeah. And yeah. If, if when they try to redeem points and they can't find a seat, yeah. then they be, they become disillusioned and think, oh, yeah. this is just a promise. Yeah. It's actually a yeah. promise that's been broken because I've got points and I can't find a seat yeah. and I'm not stupid. So therefore this system must be a scam. Yeah. And then, yeah. then, then they withdraw from it and they, they don't re-engage. Well, absolutely. And dare I say it, it's it's disloyalty. So if anything, we've probably damaged the customer relationship that we have spent so much time, money and energy, obviously trying to create. So, so definitely now. And again, I mean, I've worked in the airline industry and that's definitely one where I would say that's the, the revenue management people that I'm sure all the loyalty professionals listening are pushing for more reward seats to be available. So I think in principle, that's absolutely right. I've certainly seen some good announcements, for example, coming out of the UK. And again, post-COVID, I think there's more inventory has been created. But you also gave a brilliant idea, Steve, when we talked before, which I would love you to share. And, and I'm sure this is complex technically. So, you know, I suppose that the privilege we have is to be able to just give the idea. <laughs> And then, yeah, right. Someone else can <laughs> somebody else can figure out if it's possible or not. But um, but I did talk to a technology guy. So uh, also I did say, is this actually feasible? But listen, it's just for, for listeners to understand. So what you were suggesting, Steve, was let's say I'm sitting here in Dubai and I reach a threshold, let's say 90,000 points with Skywards, which we all know I, I fly and, and love to fly. 
So at that point, I know, thankfully now, <laughs> that I have enough points to fly, let's say, business class home to Dublin. But it's only recently I've understood that. So I think what you were suggesting is why don't the airline frequent flyer programs notice and proactively send out communications to members to say, did you realize you now have enough points to get home to Dublin or to get to Dublin? So I'd love you just yeah. to talk through that. I think it's absolutely genius, Steve. Yeah, thank you. It, it, it all links on, comes down to making points use this, uh, like, like convenient for people. So people are earning points subconsciously or, or consciously because they're just living life and flying and spending money and earning these points. So what they don't know is what, what doors do, when you reach certain tiers of points, do they open up because – yeah. Unlike, unlike me, they don't study the program. They don't yeah. try and find the gold nuggets. Yeah. So if you want someone to engage, then the magic is helping them understand that. I think it's both for taking your example, you reach 90,000 points as a threshold. Yeah. Because there's so much marketing emails being sent by airlines all the time, like yeah. marketing yeah. this and that, wine and flights. Well, they could also market in a way to the customers your 90,000 points can now get you a flight somewhere and that'll yeah. be 70,000 points. And also market above that. So for 120,000 points, you will unlock this other flight. So then yeah. people know that at the 90 mark, should I spend it or yeah. should I save it for yeah. something else? Yeah. And then that then is great for the program because it either encourages the redemption mm -hmm. or it encourages further behavior that will accelerate their point earning because yeah. now they know that at 90, to get to 120, maybe they could have flew first class to Dublin. So yeah. what's what will be worse is someone who spent the points at 70,000 points to fly premium economy. Yeah, They could have easily got extra more points to fly first class. And then that attachment to the brand and that attachment to the airline will be cemented forever. Yeah. And you're right. And you've reminded me, Steve, of a really good insight that also came through in a previous show um, with research, academic research out of the US, um, where they talked about that acceleration that you mentioned. So there is now absolute evidence that the closer we get to our goal, um, that the quicker our behavior starts to uh, literally accelerate. And again, it's, it's almost like as soon as you're told that as a loyalty professional, you realize, well, of course, that's how people behave. But actually, I, I didn't I had never thought about it before until, you know, I literally heard about it. So so you're absolutely right. If you can say you only need another 10,000 to get to the first class, which I haven't done as a commercial mm. passenger. Um, I absolutely think that would definitely go. I would certainly be off on my credit card doing yes. God knows what damage. So, yeah. So there's the added benefit of, yes, we want to encourage you to redeem. And again, I'm sure that would come with all of the concerns about accessibility and in inventory yeah. that we talked about. But then the upsell or the opportunity to go on better and to give somebody awareness of the next biggest uh, threshold that they can reach. I just love this idea. Yeah, because I, I think maybe because some of these uh, loyalty programs have been around for a while, yeah. there's an assumption that there's a prerequisite of knowledge out there already. Yeah. And, it, and sometimes they call it, for entrepreneurs, they say it's the, the curse of expertise, that you've been doing it every single day. You know everything like the back of your hand. Yeah. But actually there's brand new customers coming into the program every day 
that, yeah. that don't know anything. So totally. then yeah. you have our information asymmetry because you're yeah. talking about something that you talked about for a 1,600 time that week. Yeah. But that other person have only heard it for the first time. Yeah. So yeah. that's why there's a big, sometimes a big gap between yeah. getting people to do something yeah. and people actually knowing what to yeah. do. And, and another thing that I think is an opportunity, Steve, is um, different formats of, of communication. So, again, you know, I receive lots of communications from loads of loyalty programs. And again, not just flying, which is probably the most aspirational, but it still always seems to be in predominantly email format which has yes. been around for 20 years. And yes, it performs extremely well, but clearly I'm a fan of audio. So branded podcasts, I believe are a massive opportunity. I also believe video, you know, dedicated video content for loyalty programs would be super helpful, you know, to take somebody through that entire journey of now you've just joined whatever program, you know, here's what we recommend you do first. Here's the partner, like literally a hand-holding exercise. Like, is yeah. that happening in your view, or is that something that maybe could do more of? But they definitely could do more of, and, and also links to the fact that different people, and I think in the, in the educational space, people notice that different people learn and absorb information in different ways. Totally. So some yeah. people are reading, some people are audio, some people are visual, so some people have to experience it to learn. Yeah. So now that we know that in education they do that, but it seems like these uh, loyalty programs, they're still very old. Everything is about written. So that's yeah. why it's all email. Everything's written to you. Yeah. When you join, they send you a membership card and they give you a booklet. Yeah. It's all written. Yeah. So what that does, it only talks to a certain type of personality or people that yeah. can understand that. So yeah. like lawyers will give, you can give them 200-page document. They'll read for it, happy, happy chaps. But yeah. imagine you're giving 200-page document to to someone else, they'll throw it out and say, well, just tell me, just tell me about it. So I think yes. loyalty programs now, even the like really the really big loyalty programs, yeah. it'll be smart of them to think about all the different ways that the customers need to hear the message because yeah. not everyone are great at reading the material anymore. And yeah. I, I do feel like they're stuck in the if I give you the terms and conditions, yeah. you must have read it, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think that's when they move on and they start losing um the audience yeah. participation. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're absolutely right. You made the point that there's new people joining every day and that's something we have to keep in mind. And I also think there's an awful lot of research about, you know, particularly younger de demographics, you know, because obviously when we're younger, we're probably flying less frequently. Um, but what I'm not seeing, for example, is, you know, the use of, you know, really alternative channels like, you know, what if you could send them their frequent flyer membership on Snapchat, for example, or, yeah. you know, WhatsApp, you know, I'm thinking of the teenagers in my life, you yeah. know, and I think about, you know, again, being in an airline and trying to get people at that age before they make decisions about who they're going to be loyal to. So why not connect with them in the channels that they want? As you said, a printed booklet is, you know, it, it feels like it's time has come and gone. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and it's, it's bad for an environment as well. Just go totally. everything electronic. Totally. Um, just go visual. 
Yeah. Uh, audio as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I think I think we, we came across some good ideas just then. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, Snapchat, I hope you're listening. So, you know, <laughs> you heard it here first. But the other one, Steve, which um, I, I think I mentioned to you, part of what I, I suppose I love about doing this show is to be able to take ideas from one industry and suggest them to another. And I think what we were talking about before we came on air was the idea of even incentivizing this content consumption as a possible mm. idea for loyalty professionals. And I came across this with a, an insurance company and, you know, some great guys uh, down in South Africa, um, Old Mutual. And what they had identified is, you know, a real knowledge gap in that country around insurance products. So it's one thing to, to you know, again, to send the emails and to, to, to provide the content. But when they added in the, the loyalty currency and a reason to pay attention to the video, and again, I don't know technically how they make that work, but I think if I was an airline loyalty professional now as well, to me, that would be a brilliant idea. Let's start, in, you know, inspiring certainly the leisure travelers and giving yes. them whatever currency, whether it's Qantas points or Velocity with, with Virgin in, in Australia. So do you think that's something that uh, loyalty professionals could consider? I think that I think that's really clever because uh, the loyalty program they can meet that they can you know, print their own money, so to speak. Yeah. And, and of course, you can just track it as an internal cost. But what I know is the more people understand the program, the more they will engage the program. Yeah. And then yeah. even better is as they as they sort of move through their careers, for example, they mm-hmm. earn more money, they spend more money, and then yeah. they make choices about which airline to fly. Which yeah. credit card to use, which which partner to use, and all that stuff will all pay off. Mm-hmm. Versus someone else who might be a a member of the program, but they don't understand the program because they never yeah. they never bothered to learn it. Yeah. And it gets to a point sometimes where you've been. I, I guess it's also the same as a job. Is you know the first three months, ask any question, no question, stupid. Yeah. But after that, there's assumed that you must know enough now. So if you're still asking stupid questions in month six, hmm, what's going on here? So, and, and then I think what happens also is that, for example, that employee after six months won't ask any more stupid questions totally, because yeah. they yeah. think you know, you they think that you know, and you can't ask yeah. anyone. And I think that's what happens to loyalty programs. Yeah, They've been in it for so long, they've earned some points and they think that they know and I think, and then that's it. Yeah. They don't even bother to learn anymore. Yeah. But maybe they've only just literally scratched the surface. So an yeah. idea to incentivize them to, I guess, learn more about it means that at least when they pop out of the end of that sort of like funnel, yeah, they are now much more wiser than when they went in. And then they can make a conscious choice. Yeah. How, to what level to engage with the program. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I don't even think it would need to be like a hugely generous points incentive. No. Like no, I think sometimes to... five points is enough <laughs> to generate action. Oh, totally. It's yeah. It's like you've just given me a reason, you know, you know, there's I'm sure a threshold somewhere that somebody could figure out. But um, yeah, no, I think it's a super fun idea. So um, so super, super cool. And then the other thing I think you'd suggested, Steve, was, you know, the opportunity for 
you know, an online booking engine, perhaps, that would show the actual inventory for reward seats, you know, and, and in the style, I suppose, of a travel agency, because again, certain airlines, you can go in and just book your, your classic rewards flights, no problem. But um, I think what you were talking about is the idea of a travel agency um, creating yes. that type of booking platform. So tell us a bit about this idea. Yeah, so that, that's what would be my holy grail because in a way what we do right now is find those seats for different airlines yeah. and, and manually find them, so it's like yeah. fishing. But okay. what will be ideal is that if you have an engine that could suck yeah. a hump, if you're looking for a flight to Europe, maybe just take an ex- example, flying from Sydney to London, yeah. we've got different airlines. We've got Qantas, we've got Singapore, yeah. you've got Cafe via Hong Kong, you've got Emirates, you've got Etihad, you've got Qatar. Yeah. You've got Thai, got British yeah. Airways. You imagine there's lots and lots of airlines. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you can you can put in a set of dates and you'll suck out all the inventory mm-hmm. on all those different airlines, yeah. then you can choose or you can find freaking fly seats. Yeah. But right now you have to go into each of those separate airlines, search individually for the dates you want. Yeah. So yeah. if someone was going to do that, just they don't not have any time to work. Yeah. <laughs> because they'd be stupid searching for seats. <laughs> well, you know what? I think with that, um, you know, current pain point, uh, it certainly will keep you busy and uh, and your whole team. So, um, you know, obviously we don't want to put you out of business, Steve, but, um, <laughs> you know, again, you're only available as an expert in the Australian market, as far as I understand. So, yes. Um, yes. but definitely I think it's a global problem um, as far as I'm aware. So, yeah, hopefully there's somebody from some big tech company that might be listening to us and think about, you know, how they can make the redemption process easier and let's say more consumer focused, huh? Yeah, uh, like uh, that definitely is a holy grail, but, but on the flip side, like compared to say a GDS and yes. what that's yeah. done to find seats, yeah. unfortunately there's no money in uh, redeeming seats. There's no money to be made. So therefore that's probably why there's no effort gone into build a solution. But I presume, for example, you charge a service fee to the people who use your service. Oh, yes, yes. For, for yeah. us, we, we charge a service fee. Yeah. Uh, I guess presuming that the yeah. IT solution could charge a service fee. Exactly. To do so, yeah, that, that's true, yeah. yeah. So it could yeah. be a, a subscription yeah. type service. Yeah. Uh, totally, yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned subscription, actually, because that's obviously a hot topic in loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything happening in subscription-based loyalty in Australia at the moment, or, uh, or, or what are your views on it? Do you think it's an opportunity for airlines? Yeah, so nothing I've, I've seen in the Australian market that's, that's okay. subscription-based. Okay. Uh, like obviously lounges are subscription-based, but that's just the lounge component. It sure. doesn't add anything else to the rest. Okay. Uh, the, the only subscription service product I've seen is the one that's coming from Emirates sure. where there's three levels and you pay different fees and you ever um, get, I think, extra baggage or you might, one of the levels gives you 20% discount on yeah. uh, Skyward Redemptions, which is my favourite. Um, and there's other bits and bobs where, you get more points when you fly. So that's interesting because they what they've done is they just rejig the tools to give different benefits for a price. Yeah. But I, I, I do find it's quite interesting area because everyone's looking to the Amazon Prime model. Yeah. And if they can get all the, the whole population paying X dollars per year, mm-hmm. then they, they generate amazing revenues. So everyone's probably looking towards that. Sure. But what, what the non-fifth side is, Unlike, say, Amazon Prime, airlines is a 
it's fairly infrequent business. So a frequent flyer might fly frequently, yeah. but most other people are, are infrequent flyers. Mm-hmm. And then every time they get to, they get to choose, well, actually, well, every time they're, they're choosing two things. One is they're choosing where they're going mm-hmm. and which airline to fly on. Sure. And where they're going, that same airline may not always service where they're mm-hmm. going. Yeah. So I guess in Australia, Qantas is the one that serves everything. Yeah. But for example, if you're picking and paying for the Emirates uh, subscription service, mm-hmm. that's only useful if you're flying Emirates, and that's generally towards yeah. from Australia over to Europe area. Mm. So if you're flying to say Los Angeles, yeah, you wouldn't use the Emirates product, even though you got a subscription to it. Yeah. So that, that makes it very hard for people to keep paying money for a subscription when they might fly say six times a year, which is fairly frequent. Mm-hmm. But free flights Europe way, free flights mm. USA USA way, mm-hmm. that, that means that they've only used that subscription three times that year. Mm. Yeah. It's so it makes it very hard to justify renewal. Yeah. No, I agree, Steve. I think um, so many people are struggling to get the subscription proposition really to be absolutely compelling. And again, an airline has the added complexity of the global nature and existing infrastructure and benefits, obviously, with our frequent flyer program. So so I think you're right. I think there's more to come in that particular space. So um, definitely one we'll be watching but just I've got, actually- one, I've got one idea from it though. I've got oh, one idea yes. about that is so there has because it's all about loyalty, potentially there will be a, there should be a discount for multi-year um customer. Okay. Subscription because if you're paying the same amount every year, that means that you can stop paying this year yeah. and start next year and you mm-hmm. suffered no potential loss. Yeah. So to encourage you to be ongoing. Yeah. There should be a discount for every subsequent year. So therefore, say mm. by, yeah. by year six, yeah. you're not going to give up that subscription because otherwise you just start up again mm. from scratch and pay a higher fee. So, that, so that's a free tip okay. on how to get people I sticky. Like yes, <laughs> sticky, yeah. The boring term that we would use in other like utilities, for example, is rewarding tenure. So recognizing that somebody has stayed for, I remember actually a close friend of mine when I started working in loyalty um, in in telcos and she was like, I've been a customer there for 10 years and nobody's ever thanked me or acknowledged my loyalty. And I remember that being very shocking to me because again, the thank you part is probably the one that I think we could all do more of, you know, let's be grateful. And like we all hear it as a good practice and I suppose we forget to do it sometimes when it comes to our, our business and our loyal customers. So I think you're absolutely right so yeah you heard it here first we're full of the ideas today steve uh-huh. huh <laughs> and, and, and actually that that links to an, an, an earlier partial conversation about when you reach certain amount of points so yeah. if you say you reach a million points which is a large number in anyone's eyes yeah some recognition for that because whether you, you earn a million points by flying or by spending yeah that just means that means you've you, in a way you, you have spent significant effort to yes. collect those points so yeah. some sort of some sort of recognition for that yeah. as well. Totally. And so I think there's a few ideas there. <laughs> for sure. And and sometimes I think that can just even be for the ego. You know, my ego certainly would be super impressed if somebody went, 
my God, Paula, that's amazing that you've got a million points, you know, because yes, first yes. of all, I'm sure I would have noticed, but for, for you know, the brand to notice would definitely make me feel good. So, and then the yes. bragging rights. I mean, I don't know what it would look like, but definitely bragging uh-huh. rights, word of mouth marketing, you know, I think there's a definitely. missed opportunity in there that people like even all- a, yeah. Even a cumulative format, because as a user, you will only ever know how many yeah. points you got now. Totally. But you don't know, you yes. may have- accumulatively spent a million points already but you're not unaware yeah. but the yeah. program is very much aware how much oh, you've used there so you that'll go. actually be a real surprise when you get an email or a yeah. gift saying that thank you paula you, you spent you've utilized 10 million points with us and you're like really wow yes thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness oh i love it steve super exciting <laughs> Wow. I think the ideas are just going to keep flowing now today. So, um, yeah, we'll have to start selling our consulting services soon. Yes. <laughs> For a minute. <laughs> Absolutely. Great stuff. So, listen, um, two other propositions I wanted to quickly just mention for listeners um, because they're both very relevant to Australian members particularly, but also might be interesting around the world. Uh, one is the uh, Qantas Frequent Buyer Club. I think it's called the Qantas Club. I'll ask you just uh, to... Point, to yeah. The points yeah. club, yeah. The points club, maybe just to, to tell us a bit about that. And the other one, which I just, I know it's literally hot off the presses, but at Core Hotels, who in fact are on my, my show today, the end of November, um, have launched a double dip proposition with Qantas. So you earn both currencies um, yes. for, for, you know, literally um, flying or staying with, the, with those two partners. So yeah, maybe just, you know, any thoughts you have on these, as, as I suppose, new ideas in, in travel loyalty. Definitely, yeah. Well, I'll talk about the Qantas Accor one first. So yeah. that, that's really exciting because you, you are truly double dipping. So if you're a member of both, if you yeah. fly Qantas, you earn Qantas points and you earn Accor points. Amazing. If you stay at Accor, you earn Accor and Qantas points. So, so that's a truly double dip. That means that yeah. I, I call it raining points because yeah. you can't not earn points these days. Amazing. So I think that's a deepening of the relationship between Accor and Qantas because Accor – I've yeah. been always been looking at the Qantas lounges for a yeah. number of years now and mm-hmm. operating and making sure that they are a fantastic standard. So yeah. that's, uh, that was out of the blue, and yeah. I really like that one. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the point is Coins Club, that came out probably maybe just obviously pre-pandemic. Yeah. And what that is, is Qantas has recognised that a large portion of their points earners are earning them not by flying but mm-hmm. by spending yeah, and in Australia, there's a a, a much growing B two B payments by credit cards, where companies are paying other companies yeah. by credit card and not by bank transfer. Yeah. So the the points club was, I believe, developed to really to reward uh, the customers who are earning large number of points mm. on the ground yeah. and encourage them to do so, but mm-hmm. also giving them some recognition that it's not just all about points. Uh, earned by flying, which yeah. traditionally is what a frequent flyer program yeah. is all about. Yeah, uh, they've, they've done it on two levels. They've got the Points Club and the Points Club Plus. Mm-hmm. And what they say is that you have to earn 150,000 points a year on the ground to get Points Club mm-hmm. and then 350,000 points to get the Plus version of that. Yeah, And obviously there's some different rules around that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you get to Points Club Plus, you actually get hold of Qantas Club membership. So you don't have to buy mm. uh, a membership to get access to the 
what are Qantas club lounges, mm-hmm. and there's other things like wine mm-hmm. club discounts and mm-hmm. and actually all oh, actually one very interesting thing is that if you're a member of the points club, you can earn status credits when you fly on redemption tickets. Oh, nice! So that's a new thing, definitely in the Australian market. Yeah, maybe even in other markets. Although I, I noticed, I think uh, American Airlines uh, just did something similar, but it's actually quite rare because in the past, yes. redemption tickets mean you yeah. got no status credits. Totally. But yeah. now you can if I you're think a member. You're right. I think American have done that. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. And, you know, just ahead of today's show, Steve, I looked up what I remember being my favorite loyalty statistic actually ever, um, because obviously I ask everybody uh, their favorite loyalty statistic. Um, But literally the one, and this was published in August 2020, so there might even be a 2021 update. But it was just, I suppose, the value particularly of Qantas loyalty as distinct from Qantas airline. So this figure that I found today said that Qantas, obviously, unfortunately, so badly impacted like everyone by by COVID, the 2019-2020 figures, revenue figures, uh, was a loss of 2.7 billion Australian dollars. However, Qantas loyalty made the single biggest contribution which was a $341 million uh, profit in that same period. So I often remember at the loyalty conference that it was quoted as at the time saying that Qantas loyalty was more valuable than Qantas international travel. So this was when I kind of sat up and went, oh my God, this business is amazing. (laughs) So (laughs) it's amazing amazing. business to make money throughout the whole pandemic and it will continue to make more money. Yeah. Um, without any of the issues that yeah. airlines have with weather, yeah. um, like volcano ash and all that stuff. <laughs> like the, the, the loyalty program continues to make money yes. 24 hours a day. Totally. Yeah. And again, I suppose what seems to be, you know, almost unique in the Australian market, if I'm right, is the the, the, the two airlines really almost operate as the coalition programs that many other countries would actually, you know, operate literally in partnership, let's say, by a leading grocery player in conjunction with a fuel player or it's 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 much more strongly led by airlines, you know, in Australia. So I yeah. think that's why there's so many learnings coming from what you do and uh, that I think can be applied to other uh, to other markets. Yeah, that's right. And in Australia, like Qantas and Virgin, they sort of really made the retailers pick a side. Do okay. you want to offer your customers Qantas points? You want to offer your customers Virgin points? Okay. And and so it's very easy to earn yeah. points in the evening. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Well, listen, uh, with all our fabulous brainstorming and suggestions for everyone coming into 2022, Steve, I think uh, I think I've asked all of my questions. Have you any other, I suppose, important topics that you think we're literally releasing this show now, December 30th? So anyone listening, I'm sure, is going to be all excited for what's coming up in 2022. But any closing thoughts or, or suggestions from your side? Yeah, I think like obviously with the pandemic, many people had to cancel their travel or or not travel. So 2022 and beyond is where you pick up all those bucket list trips and Um, and, and just book and go again. So there's times, of course, I always recommend the best way to fly is to use points and fly business class or first class uh because 
that's much more exciting than getting a toaster or a vacuum cleaner at those points. <laughs> totally. And even much more exciting than paying them with money because getting yeah. something basically for free is yeah. probably like one of life's great joys yeah. along with getting yeah. free champagne and free <laughs> caviar on board the plane. So wow. people say there's no such thing as a free lunch, but I say this, there is. Yeah. There's free lunch, there's free champagne, there's free caviar, and yeah. there's also a free flight. If you yeah. sort of get your points right. So oh, brilliant. Topic up. <laughs> All very excited about always. Oh, fantastic. So listen, Steve, if people do want to connect with you, I know, first of all, actually, also you're so famous in Australia that actually we can't do a, a connection on LinkedIn because you're up to the maximum. But people can follow you there. So where's the best place? Is it LinkedIn or other channels that people can uh, yeah. reach out if they have questions for you? Yeah, I think LinkedIn is best, and, and that's under Steve Huey, so S-T-E-V-E-H-U-I is a surname. Uh-huh. Uh, so LinkedIn, because I post most of my content through LinkedIn, so if you follow me, you'll you yeah. get the content. I'm yeah. also on Instagram a bit for a bit of fun, and okay. that's just at, at iFlyFlat, okay. and you find me there, and okay. that, that's more just interesting photos and things. But, yeah, LinkedIn is uh, where all the action is at. Okay. Well, listen, I have really enjoyed our conversation today. So Steve Huey, CEO of iFlyFlat, thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you very much, Paula. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights, and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy, which has already certified over 170 executives in 20 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like me to send you the latest show each week, simply sign up for the show newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and I'll send you the latest episode to your inbox every Thursday. Or just head to your favorite podcast platform, find Let's Talk Loyalty and subscribe. Of course, I'd love your feedback and reviews and thanks again for supporting the show.